Welcome to The Weekend Booktopian, our weekly podcast where we talk about book news and the books that we have been reading and enjoying. My name is Nick Wasiliev and I am the social media specialist here at Booktopia and joining me for today's episode is Arthur Malcolm, the affiliate and uh, the affiliate marketing manager. Hi, Arthur. Hi, Nick. Uh, Ashley Berry, our campaign coordinator. Hi, Ash. Hey. And Mark Harding, our brand and content manager and usual host. Hi, Mark. Get out of my seat. <laughs> oh, I'm happy. I'm enjoying it. I mean, I have all the power. <laughs> uh, but today, as we'll, uh, we'll be obviously giving you our normal book recommendations, and then, of course, you stick around till the end where my guests will go head-to-head in an increasingly terrifying, exciting, and some might say violent uh, game that is Book Fight. Um, but beforehand... Uh, we're doing something a little bit different. Now, uh, we are currently recording this podcast during the time of Booktober, uh, which Booktopia is really proud to be involved in. And uh, we are working with Westwards, and you can sign up as a bookworm and fundraise to help uh, disadvantaged kids in the greater Western Sydney region. Um, and Mark, so for our new segment, you sat down with James Roy, the producer of Westwards, to discuss the initiative, didn't you? Yes, that's right. So I had a, a nice little chat with James Roy, who is um, a published um, and established author in his own right, um, and is also um, a, uh, a and also works for Westwards, um, developing programs that get delivered to students across Greater Western Sydney. Um, so why don't we have a listen to uh, to that chat? Joining us today on the Weekend Booktopian is James Roy. Hi, James. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Uh, thank you. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit about your career and the, uh, the books that you've written? Well, my career began back in the bad old days of the mid-90s, sort of back in the, in the era of Justin Etler writing The River of Fear and all that sort of dark, gritty literature, um, the sort of grit lit as they called it. But I, um, I thought I, that's what I was writing, but in actual fact, I was writing young adult. Uh, and at the time, I kind of felt that like a lot of people do, that young adult and children's is what you do while you're practicing to be a real writer for grown-ups. I, of course, now don't believe that to be the case and will actively take on anyone who dares to say that, but it was a view that I did hold. Uh, and so when I sent my first book off to University of Queensland Press in the, uh, the mid-90s, um, they immediately came back and said, we've given this to our young adult publisher and she's very interested in it. And I was a bit sort of, oh, really? I thought I'd written a real book. Anyway, never mind. Um, but then I very quickly became to, came to understand that um, because of my own background growing up as a missionary kid back in, you know, in places like Fiji and Papua New Guinea, um, my creative or my, um, I was in a bit of a state of arrested development, I guess. And I, I hadn't really ever moved past that period of life between year five and year 10, that was sort of where I kept going back to in my, in my own head. And so I, I, I entirely, entirely embraced the idea of writing for children and young adults. And so up till now I've written, I think 35 books and they've all been for young adults or children. Um, I'm working on a, a grown up book at the moment, as they say, but um, everything that I've written really that's been published uh, to any kind of, you know, in any kind of recognition has been for young adult or children. Excellent. We're huge advocates for um, young adult novels uh, here at Booktopia. We have several staff members who can't get enough and, um, and we'll uh, talk at length in our podcast about them. And always well, there, there was a, <laughs> so, sorry, there, there was a, um, 
I don't know if it's still the case because I, I don't really go to those places anymore. But back in not that long ago, there was a, a huge uh, um, outbreak of disagreement amongst the events. So a lot of people about whether people should be allowed to just read YA because they like reading YA. And there was a real, there's a bit of a shaming going on in some circles against people who wrote YA, which I always found a bit, a bit confusing and a bit mystifying, especially when you consider that you know, if they were published today, Romeo and Juliet, Hamlet, um, Great Expectations, Pride and Prejudice, all these books would probably be published as young adult because they are exactly about what young adults go through, the sense of identity you know, confusion and, and where they fit in the world and all those sorts of things and, and, and so forth. So it sort of always left me a little bit confused when people would say, um, oh, you know, what do you, what do you read young adult? What, what's in that for you? Well, everything is in that for me. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your involvement with Westwards? Oh, with Westwards? Well, um, well, I started off on the board of Westwards some years back. Um, and then I, I went and did my, my creative writing masters at Sydney Uni and for some reason stopped writing shortly after uh, and went off and worked in a music shop and worked as the, um, the, the director of the, uh, sorry, the manager of the drum department for a couple of years and didn't write anything. And then uh, one day Michael from Westwards contacted me and said, we've had a position come up for program manager at uh, Blue Mountains and uh, Blacktown program manager with a hot desk at Blacktown Library. So is that something you'd like to do two or three days a week? And so I did do that and started to um, work in that role, just basically developing programs for what Westwards does, which is literature development in schools and for, for people who want to be writers and people who are developing writers and so forth. Uh, and then, not, and more recently, uh, a position became available for, to be the, the full-time producer. So I work alongside Michael, our um, director, executive director, basically um, overseeing the way that we run programs right across Western Sydney, which is, you know, it's a huge area. It's, what is it, two and a half million people, a tenth of Australia's population lives out this way. It's a vast geographical space with uh, something like people from almost 200 different countries speaking almost 100 different languages so it's a it's a pretty vast uh, undertaking and there's always something uh, there to keep us busy for sure why do you think the mission of Westwards is so important um <laughs> this is something we've been having a bit of a discussion with in the office recently because you know a, a lot of organizations the it's very easy to put on their billboard what they do you know if you're a football club basically your what you do is you um, try and win football premierships and everything that the membership and all that all leads into this one ultimate goal which is to be a, the best football club in in that in that code whereas what we do is a little bit broader than that it's a, it's a bit uh, it's a bit more like a uh, we're, we're a needs-based organization so really we wait until people tell us what they require what they feel they need and then we find the best people to deliver that. So uh, we're working in schools, we're working in, um, as I say, we're working with developing writers, offering fellowships and partnerships with places like Varuna and Western Sydney University and so forth. But really what we think we're here to do and what we believe we're here to do is not to tell anyone else's story, but rather to provide people with the necessary tools to tell their own stories in, in the best way they can. So. It's not about appropriating, it's not about um, tell, telling someone else a story, it's really about, yeah, as I say, 
filling that toolbox with the best tools and they're all developed they're all delivered by people who are practicing artists in some way or another now we're in the midst of the uh, booktober campaign um which is uh, westward's fundraiser um are you signed up as a bookworm and if so how many books are you reading or planning to get to this month if if it was held um if it was held in a in about nine weeks time i reckon i'd probably be signing up for uh, i don't know 20 books or something for over the holiday period um at the moment my to read list is probably in the the five or six pile, but I'm, I'm hoping to get through 10 in the time. I know that's not a lot, but I've just come, you've got to, got to give me a break here. I've just come out of um, judging a pretty big, um, a pretty big literary award where we had something like 150 young adult novels to, to read. So I kind of, I really wish that Booktober had been Booktember because I think I would have probably knocked off 150 in that time. Would have raised truckloads of cash. But anyway. <laughs> well, if Michael's, if Michael's listening to this, then uh, then <laughs> take that note for next year, Booktember. <laughs> Booktember, yeah, yeah, totally. That, that, that would work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and can you let us know how people can donate or otherwise get involved in Booktober or, or Westwards more broadly? Well, I think the, the best way, you can either go to our website, and we recommend everyone do that anyway, uh, westwords.com.au, and there's, there's links and tags and, and so forth. But if you just go to booktober.org.au, um then all the information is there and uh, on how to sign up as a bookworm or how to donate and um all donations are welcome because the, the thing about what we do is that it, it you know we we're very passionate about putting um good literature in the hands of of everyone and um of course kids are a huge part of that and that's what booktober is all about is putting books in the hands of kids um, and, and the best books, actually, not just books. There's plenty of books out there, but, but good books. So, um, yeah, I think the website's probably the best place you could go. Or, or if you have other questions you need to ask someone in person, you can go to 1800 Westwards and we'll answer the phone and, um, and, and let you know what you can do. Fantastic. James Roy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Right, so that's the end. So that is the end of our chat uh, with James Roy. A um, lot of fantastic uh, discussion there around uh, the Booktober uh, Booktober initiative. Um, so if you want to sign up, uh, you can head to Westwards website or booktober.org.au and uh, become a bookworm and help fundraise to help with disadvantaged kids in the greater Western Sydney region. Uh, so with that in mind, we'll now jump into our book recommendations for the week and the books that we've been reading and enjoying. And I'm going to throw to you first, Arthur. What have you been reading in the last week or so? Uh, so I've been reading uh, Jerry Seinfeld's book, Is This Anything? Uh, oh. Obviously very much looking forward to that when that was first announced. And um, uh, it, was been, it was actually a really good read. So uh, basically the, the title in itself, so Is This Anything, refers to um, a sentence basically that comedians often ask each other when they're when they're sanity checking their jokes to one another. They'll they'll go to each other and say, "Is this anything? Is this good? Is this is this going to get laughs?" <laughs> uh, but more or less, essentially, the book is a collection of, Jer of Jerry's best best bits and you know his his greatest material that he would you know scribble down and write 
the things that would come to him over the years, um, you know, and covers quite a you know quite an extensive uh, extensive range of different topics from from the airport to marriage to the thermostat to uh, <laughs> um, parents and basically every little minutia of you know his life uh, from the covers actually from starts from the seventies all the way through to. To now, basically, he's been collecting all these bits and material over the years. And um, what I really liked about it is how, especially some of the jokes from the, the 70s and the 80s, how, how timeless some of it is, how it can still apply to today. Uh, it's, it's really quite remarkable. His, his material is quite timeless, really. It's, it's quite amazing. And I was even happy to, um, to realise as I was reading some of them that a lot of these bits actually made it into the Seinfeld show, which obviously one of my favorite shows, one of the biggest comedy influences for me um, is in my, you know, formative years still is, quite frankly, I think it's one of the best shows ever. Um, yeah, it was so good to see how much of that material, early material actually made it into the show. Can, can you read us a joke, Arthur? <laughs> can. Can you do it in the Seinfeld voice? I cannot. I mean, I can try, but no, I will no. miserably. And yeah, <laughs> it does. Does the book? Uh, I was like the book. I'm, I'm assuming the book would give you a really solid indication of like his actual writing process and creative process. Yeah, if you see I mean, the early books, uh, mm. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I mean, if before every um, decade has a bit of an intro, um, just to give you an idea of, I suppose, what Jerry was. Um, you know, what, what he was going through at that time or what his, you know, so obviously in the 70s he was just starting out, he was breaking into the routine. Um, you know, 80s and the 90s, 80s folks was more on him um, getting, a, you know, a bit more attention. Obviously 90s is heavily focusing on Seinfeld and the, the 2000s is a lot of what he refers to as doing nothing. Quite <laughs> <Very> funny. <laughs> Oh, funny. Like yeah, there's a lot of great material in here. I'm trying to find something that's that's um, short and sweet to read out. But, um... <laughs> I have a question for you, Alpha. Yes, Sasha. <laughs> as a uh, Seinfeld fan, as you've said, um, so you said the book is a lot of material and things you've potentially heard before on Seinfeld. But as a fan, did you learn anything new about him? Well, interestingly, um, you can tell that his life shapes the kind of material he's writing. So the earlier work, a lot of it is very observational, very stuff um, that a single person would would maybe mm. joke about and talk about. And as you get further on into the book, um, he starts talking more about marriage and his material sort of shifts. It's more marriage-focused, relationship-focused. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. It says a lot about him and what mm. his priorities were at the time you know, through each decade, what he was thinking about, what was um, what he found funny during those particular times. I thought, like, there's a really good one here that I thought was quite funny. Um, so there's one, there's a bit he does about pyjamas. And he goes, I don't know why the suit projects this image of power. Why is it, why is it intimidating? We'd better do that. We'd better do what that guy says. His pants match his jacket. Men love the suit so much. We've actually styled our pajamas to look like a tiny suit. Three, <laughs> button, three buttons down the front, the little lapels, breast pocket. What's that for? You put a pencil in there, roll over in the middle of the night, you kill yourself. <laughs> it's a really good point. You never think of that, but it's true. We, you know, we to put 
glove that they do. They're, they're like it's like a, a suit, and it's true. What's the what, what's the buttons? What's the pocket for? Who is that for? What's the what's the benefit of that? Genius. <laughs> Genius. I love it. Oh my, that sounds like an amazing book. Love it. Great one, Arthur. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll throw it now over to uh, to Ash. Um, mm-hmm. What have you been uh, in the depths of uh, book-wise? Yeah, so I have two books I want to talk about today, one I'm currently reading and one I want to read uh, next. So the one I'm currently reading, uh, it's a few years old. It's actually been on my to-be-read pile for about 10 years. Um, and I am absolutely kicking myself that I haven't read it before now. It is The Name of the Wind. Oh, my God. Patrick Rothfuss. I know. I thought you might be a fan, Mark. Have you read it? I have, yeah. yeah. Oh, I cannot believe it took me this long. So I've only read the first one. Oh, okay. Well, this is what I mean. I think um, at the speed I'm reading it now, I should be into the sequel on the weekend. So... I'm just past halfway and I love it. It's so good. I can't believe I've just let it sit there for years, but I've existed in the same room as it for years. I just have not read it. Um, so to summarise, I've brought up a summary. This is the tale of a magically gifted young man who grows to be the most, tor- most notorious wizard the world has ever seen. Um, so it's a fantasy fiction. I'm a big fan of but I want to read more of this genre. So, I mean, you Google best fantasy books. This book is literally third on the list in Google after The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Oh, uh, wow. And it's incredible. The The writing style is just, um, I think, poetic is a word that's used to describe it, but it's just you feel like you're there. Like this is a story I'm currently reading about, you know, a boy learning to be a wizard right now. And I relate to him in a weird way. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm consuming it nonstop right now. It's always, it's, it's such an immersive book. And what I, what mm-hmm. I love about it is it's like, it's like 1100 pages or something. And it just, you, you don't notice once you, once you start reading it, you, you just forget. And it's just like, you are just in that world with those characters. And it's just incredible. It is, yeah. Um, I should try and find a comparison. Uh, someone who works here, Paolo, he's read this. He described the name of the wind, I'm pretty sure, as Harry Potter in the Philosopher's Stone. And then the sequel is like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, you know. It's kind of that contrast where the first ones are really kind of educational. You learn the world as the character is learning the world and learning his abilities and trying to comes up against um, magical foes and uh, schoolmates who uh, want to make an enemy out of him and you kind of grow through the hardships with him like he had a really tough start of life and um, yeah from that phrasing I'm very excited to get into the sequel and then we probably get into the real uh, real crux of it. Well, yeah, I, that I, is, I, I was reading something the other day about um, uh, the third one um, and how it's like it's it's like the new Game of Thrones book. It's just been coming for a very, 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 very long time. And like Patrick Rothfuss is like not committing to like when anything's going to be finished, and the speculation that maybe he won't. And it's just so a third book in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's meant to be a trilogy. Oh, okay. 
Oh my goodness. That would be frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do it. If any little part of you likes fantasy, like just the tiniest little bit, I reckon read it. Yeah. And <sighs> fun fun trivia uh, note, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda of, of Hamilton fame uh, mm-hmm. bought the rights to do a... Like, <gasps> no way. Oh, that would be amazing. It would be. It would be. I'm sure he's very busy and we'll never get to it. But <laughs> I, It's my absolute dream. Like, I'm a big fan, I think I mentioned before, of the Riff War saga, especially Magician by Feist, mm-hmm. and it's my dream to see that. I don't think it's ever been really brought to life, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if it ever could be because of the scope, but it's my dream to see that. So I'm only halfway through this, and all I want is to just see some visual uh, entity of this. Slight slight tangent, but have you read um, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series? No. Um, uh, no. I've got the Eye of the World yeah. in my pile. I have a big um, fantasy pile back there that I need to get through, but they're all like a 1,000 pages. Because um, a certain streaming service that we're not allowed to name on this show is um, has adapted that, and the first season is going to be out next year, I think. Everything's going to be out next year. I just read um, Foundation by Isaac Asimov. Yes, yeah. That's how you say it. So I've got the the three books, the first three books published. So I just read Foundation prior to this. That's coming out next year, apparently yeah. too. That's going to be so cool. I don't have time for this. I know, right? <laughs> it goes to show that 2021 is going to be the year of the adaptations. It's just going to be, or maybe I feel like that's been the last five yeah, years. Yeah, I know. I was about to get as I said that. It's, it's all but this is adaptations. a good adaptations year. Oh. The ones we're keen for. Yes, it sounds. It sounds. I'll have June back there to read in a similar note. Well, that, that's been pushed back. You've got extra time. It's not oh, October. Next I need. Year. I needed that. Yeah. Yeah. I also have um, also a side note, The Way of Kings, Brandon Sanderson. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard is pretty damn good as well. I think the fourth book of that um, has just kind of come out. So fourth book, I need to get started on that one as well. (laughs) Wow, you have a large list of books to read. (laughs) That's just one genre. I know, wow. Which leads me, I guess, into the book I want to read coming up after this it's called the sight of you um by holly miller but this is more of a uh, fiction like a romance fiction book so that's kind of my other um pleasure is modern contemporary fiction but i'm a bit of a sucker for the romance one so the concept behind this what hooked me in was um it's kind of would you choose love if you knew how it would end so i think the concept behind this book is that there's two characters who kind of fall in love, but one of them, Joel has the ability to when he dreams about the people he loves, the dreams come true. So he dreams, um, Joel has the dream of Kelly he's feared the most and each must decide, can Kelly stay knowing her fate? And if her days be numbered, is there a life she is meant to live? So it's kind of like a really, um, a story about, I guess, two people in love but one has the ability to know the fate of it and do they choose to stay in this relationship knowing this fate it's, it seems to have a little bit of a supernatural twist on it which I don't mind um but that's in my very long list of coming up ones that I'm pretty excited for 
feel like it almost might be the basis for a new episode for us to do all the books we want to read because every single time I go on this oh. podcast, my, my to be read list goes longer and longer and longer and longer. It keeps building, mine does. I don't have enough hours in the day. <laughs> I, know, I feel like with that concept, to me, that's a fairly easy answer. Like, I would, I would, I would go ahead with the relationship, right? Like, yeah, I think the concept is these two like kind of people where he has sworn off love and she can be his second chance and for uh, her he is the love she's always dreamed of. So it's these two really um iconic perspectives of love that people have where thrown into the mix is potentially, I'm not sure I haven't read it, but a devastating ending. And I guess it's just the power of love and those little moments that build up to it, which I think is an always nice read, especially after a trilogy fantasy book. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love I love your recommendations all over the place and I love it. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> um, I will now throw over to you, Mark, and, and I'm expecting the answer to be an extreme sci-fi or an intense horror thriller, given yeah. uh, your previous record. What have you been reading? Uh, okay, the so last time I was, on, uh, I was on the show, I mentioned a book that I was going to read, and I am pleased to say that I've now read it, and it is uh, The Only Good Indians uh, oh. by Stephen Graham Jones. And uh, I know this is a podcast, but we're looking at a video now. Check out how cool the cover is. I know. Wow. That's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. That, is, that is beautiful. Ooh. There've been a lot of good covers this year. I know this is not sorry to be sidetracked here, thing, but there have been a lot of really nice covers this year. I recently got to look at a physical copy of *The Living Sea of Waking Dreams*. Oh, gorgeous! Oh my god! And then the beautiful, like, after you open up the dust cover and everything's gorgeous. But I'm sorry, sidetracked. Keep going. <laughs> uh, so, so this book is uh, an intense horror thriller. Well, well, well predicted thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. So uh, the story um, is about these um, uh, these four uh, friends, um, and they're Native Americans. And they're uh, when they were young, they trapped uh, a herd of elk um, and and shot them all. Um, and ten years later, one of these elk who was pregnant at the time. Um, and was had a little baby elk inside her that he, she tried to protect, uh, is coming back. Um, the spirit of this creature is coming back to get revenge on each and every one of them. Um, and, and it sounds like a very silly concept, you know, this elk is coming back, but the way that it is written is so good, and the haunting that happens of these characters and the brutal revenge that this creature is after is just so... Uh, dark and, and gut punching and just bleak and, and violent. And, you know, sometimes you just need that. <laughs> like I find that, I personally find that quite a good thing to read when I'm like particularly stressed. I like to read stuff about like this kind of stuff happening, but it's, um, it, it's so interesting the way that it's structured as well, because you kind of start off reading it and thinking it's going to be about this one character, but then it almost turns into a bit of an anthology. Like it starts following different people and, and you kind of see, you start to even see from the creature's perspective what, what it's after and without giving too much away about it, um, there is actually quite a satisfying ending here. And I think with horror, a lot of the time, you know, people have great concepts and then don't know how to end them and it gets a bit ridiculous. But I think this this actually sticks to landing. Um, and and I, was, I, was, I was very, very pleased by it. And there's just, um, I don't know, there's a, like it, 
a warning, there is violence against animals in this book, obviously, not just the deer, but um, also um, violence against the dog at one point as well, which I know some people um, aren't fans of. Uh, so it's, it, it's, it's very... It's very dark and bleak and disturbing, but really well worth it if you want a, a quite unique, interesting horror novel. Um, so that's The Only Good Indians. Um, and the other one that I'm, I'm reading at the moment is um, I've picked up uh, A Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay. So Paul Tremblay uh, is probably best known for um, his book from a couple of years ago called The Cabin at the End of the World, um, which is about a, a family who are staying in a cabin by the lake and then four mysterious strangers knock, rock up at the door and tell them that they must make a sacrifice or the world will end. And it's about kind of what happens there. It's really, really, really cool book. And I highly recommend that. This one is a really interesting modern twist on the old haunted house tale. So I, I was inspired to pick this up um, because I read, I saw The Haunting of Blind Manor. Uh, over the weekend, and I was like, oh, haunted house stories, what else have we got? So this is an interesting modern spin on it in that the family at the center of the haunting uh, wind up inviting a reality TV show into the home to kind of record the the the, the haunting on the possession or, or whatever's going on. So it has this interesting, this interesting kind of modern twist to it where, you know, there's there's a camera crew there, and 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 it's it's not just that the camera crew kind of and and the TV show adds the element of kind of just having that modern technology to it, but it actually kind of changes the dynamics of the family and how they interact with each other um, and all that kind of stuff. And the way that it's structured again is really really interesting. It starts off with um, kind of telling the story backwards, like as as a flashback um, in the future, and it's. Um, yeah, it's really good. I'm about halfway through and I'm really, really thoroughly enjoying it. Some really, really creepy, horrific stuff in it as well. No animals have been injured so far, but um, you know, one, of the kids, one of the kids gets it. So that's... <laughs> um, oh, that's totally fine. That's fine. It's also got this, uh, <laughs> this uh, uh, demonic element to it as well so if you're a fan of things like the exorcist or the exorcism of emily rose and things like that then this is also there's a lot for you to enjoy um in a head full of ghosts by paul tremblay and he's just a fantastic writer anyway and you know i, I would i would urge anybody who who is a, a a horror aficionado to get a copy of cabin at the end of the world as well because i love that book um oh. so yeah that, that's what i'm reading at the moment i love them and i love them and completely around yeah Perfect for spooky season. Yes. Is this an all year you, Mark, or just uh, October uh, year? No, I do this all year. <laughs> no, he's always he's always like this. How many every single podcast without fail? It, it will be at least two thirds of his recommendations will be horror, and I don't. Oh dear. That. Yeah, but all good. I love it. Fantastic recommendations. Thank you, everyone. Loving these. All right. You know what time it is. I know what time it is. Let's dive into book fight. Okay, so as always, we will ne uh, need to get a buzzer for everyone, and I'll throw to you first, Arthur. Are you sticking with your word of buzz, or are you going to try some uh, get a new buzzer? No, I'm going to stick with buzz. It's 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 a brand. It's now. It's just its own thing. Yeah, I think we should get like T-shirts and stuff for it made yeah. when uh, when when this inevitably takes off. Um, yeah, Ash, they, they appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ash, what will your buzzer be? Um, I think I used Ash last time. Is that is that cool enough? That's cool enough. I'm cool with it. Cool. 
We don't we don't we don't we don't take sides on the on the buzzer front. Um, I will throw also now to Mark. What will your buzzer be? Uh, 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 I'll go with ghosts. You're <laughs> a word. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. Are we ready, everyone, for what will be an intense edition of Book Fight? Are we ready? Are we good? Let's do this. Question one. How many books are there in C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia series? Ghosts. Yep. Uh, seven. You are correct. And bonus points if you can name them all. Oh, okay. Let's see. Uh, there is The Magician's Nephew. Yep. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yep. The Horse and His Boy. Yep. Prince Caspian. Yes. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Yes. The Silver Chair. Yes. The Last Battle. Oh, perfect. Off to a flyer, Mark. Eight points straight out the gate. I love it. Don't worry, everyone. Don't worry. All other, all other, no, no, don't worry. There are plenty of chances <laughs> for you to, to, uh, to earn some questions back. We have plenty of point opportunities uh, this, this particular episode. Very well done, Mark. Eight points. Well done. All over the C.S. Lewis. Question two. Martin Skarsden and Mandalay Blonde are the main characters in which new book out this week? Oh, oh, oh ghosts. Yes, Mark. Uh, Scrublands. Scrublands? No, no, no. No! Oh, wrong! Oh, no, what was it called? The last one in, like, it's the... It's the... Trust. Trust. No. It's Trust. Yes, it is Trust. Oh, yeah. Correct. Um, <laughs> trust it is, and it, that is Trust by Chris Hammer was the, was the correct one, was the answer, which was book three in that series. Uh, Scrublands being the first. Yeah. Um, question three. Which book was the winner? of Best Crime Fiction at this year's 2020 Ned Kelly Awards. Ash. Ash. Was it The Wife and the Widow? Yes, it was. Yes. Very well done. On the board, The Wife and the Widow by Christian White. Very nicely done. Question four. Name this famous opening line. And my eyes are on you, Mark. If you don't get this, I will be disappointed. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> The drought had lasted now for 10 million years and the reign of the terrible lizards had long since ended. The drought had yeah, I know this. And the reign of the terrible lizards had long it's since ended. It's a very ended. famous novel. Very famous novel. I know it. I can't, I can't. Like, it's so familiar. It's so familiar. Throw it out to uh, uh, Arthur or Ash. You guys got any 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 idea? Um, okay, Ash, I'm yep. going to go wild stab because the cover is sand and you said drought. Is it Dune? No, it's not, unfortunately. Mm. Arthur, you got any ideas? None. Mark? Uh, I, I know it, but I, I can't. I can't. Oh, no. <laughs> I know it. Going in three, ah. two, one. Thank unfortunately, you. it is Arthur C. Clarke's 2001 oh, A Space Embarrassing. <laughs> Arthur C. Clarke's 2001 A Space Odyssey is the that is the opening line of That's one of my favorite novels. I'm so bad. <laughs> I've read it like three times. <laughs> Rough, I'm sorry. Pay attention next time I read it. Mm. Ah, <laughs> I'm sorry. It doesn't now I know it doesn't matter if he wins or not. You're just gonna be angry about your performance in this uh, in this episode now. Well. <laughs> Okay, question five. For one point each, 
Name all books in Matthew Riley's Jack West Jr. series. Ghosts. Okay. I'm going to give it a go. Seven Ancient Wonders. Yes. Six Sacred Stone. Stone. Yep. Five Greatest Warriors. Uh, yes. Four, 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 four. I'll come back to four. Then there's the Three Secret Cities. There is the Three Secret Cities. The Two Lost Mountains. And yep. what's the fourth? The four, four. Arthur or Ash, have you got any any potential responses here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've on number four as well. Yeah, no, nah, I, I forgot. No idea. The answer is the four legendary kingdoms. Legendary kingdoms. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, should, I, was, I, I was at the Matthew Riley trivia last night. Lucky <laughs> <laughs> that question. And I wrote half the questions. <laughs> Uh, it's it all good. I think you're out to a pretty big lead now, so you needed to not get at least one. <laughs> um, so we're about to head into question six, um, and this is for three points. Who am I? I was born in London, England, in 1912, but moved to Sydney, Australia, when I was six months old. I first began writing as a playwright, but then became renowned as an author for writing shifting narrative vantage points and went on to become one of Australia's most renowned writers. I was the inaugural recipient of the Miles Franklin Award in 1957 for my novel Voss. Ghost. And, yep. Patrick White. Patrick White is the correct answer. Okay, everyone. So we have two questions left in this podcast. And, Mark, you are, you are out of control right now. <laughs> Currently, Mark is sitting on 16 points. Ash is on one. Arthur is on one. <laughs> is this some kind of record, Nick? Is there any way to Yeah, no, this is, you, you, you might be pushing a record. I think it was, uh, we, we, you're either, either close to it or have gone past it. Okay, question seven. I'm expecting Mark to be all over this one. If he's not, ah. if, if he's not, then he'll be, uh, then he'll, he'll be kicking, he'll definitely be kicking himself about this one. me up for failure. I love setting you up for failure. <laughs> okay. Question seven. Gandalf's famous line to the Balrog in the Fellowship of the Ring, you shall not pass, is a direct quote from the book of the same name, true or false? Ooh. Ooh. I mean, I'm going to go with false. Oh, ghosts. I'll go with false. You are correct. <laughs> the actual line from the book is "You cannot pass," uh, which which Gandalf also mentions in the movie. But the actual famous line "You shall not pass" is never mentioned uh, in the book, which is a shame because that would have been yeah. amazing. All right, and question eight. Our final question: What novel is the film *Slumdog Millionaire* based on? Um. Uh, ghosts. Yep. I can't remember the author, but the novel's called Q&A, isn't it? Yes, it is. Correct. <laughs> Clearing up. My goodness. <laughs> yes, the answer is clear. Is Q&A by writer Vikas Sarup is the uh, is the answer. So let's have a look at the scores. And oh my goodness gracious me, Arthur <laughs> is on one point. Ash is on one point. Mark. We really need to do something because uh, you finished with 18 points. <laughs> and I haven't seen anyone clinically dismantle a, a quiz as well as Liv did in that, that one time she had Zia on and uh, 
Zia and I think Kasson when she just cleaned up and cleaned up and cleaned up and answered every question. Well done. Congratulations. I'll try not to be too smug. Thank well, you. <laughs> you, you, you didn't get you didn't get Arthur C. Clarke's class, uh, oh, so I have that on you forever now. <laughs> Come on, you're clearly not doing well enough, Mark. Come on. <laughs> um, so that will bring us to the end of this uh, week's episode of The Weekend Booktopian. The Weekend Booktopian uh, was produced by myself, Nick Wasiliev, and you can access all of the books we mentioned in this podcast down in the description box. While there, you can also head over to the Booktopia podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, where you can check out a wide variety of discussion podcasts and author interviews, including our most recent podcast with Matthew Riley and Chris Hammer. Or if you're listening to this on YouTube, head over to our interview section and check out our most recent Booktopia live event with Marley Silver. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and never stop reading. listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au